Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's take a sneak peek at chapter three. All right, this is 1 Timothy chapter three, verse one. Just the very first verse has a lot to say. Uh, there's a lot to it. And uh, I know that if I delve into it fully in my sermon tomorrow, that um, like we're never gonna get a decent uh, lunch reservation time. Everybody's gonna, <laughs> we're gonna get out of church uh, after like another one of those hour and a half long sermons. So let me delve into the first verse here because there's something amazing about it. And I've got some great, exciting news actually to share with you about this very verse in our context, particularly at the Redemption Church. Here's chapter three, verse one. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. He desires a noble work. This word overseer, elder, and pastor, all three are interchangeable. Now on that point, at the Redemption Church, we don't lower the bar for anyone who aspires to be what's commonly called a lay elder as if that's distinguished at all from a fully-fledged pastor. Uh, this is a shift for me, by the way. This is a change for me over my ministerial career. Uh, I've, I've come to encounter the practice of ordaining men as elders who are not able to teach. And for that reason, they're deacons. If they faithfully serve in some other capacity, but they do not teach, they are deacons. It's a different calling. It's a different, uh, it's a, that's a different ministerial office. And so when we appoint men who are actually deacons to the office of elder, and we call them elders, but they're not able to teach, we're, it's, it's a mislabeling. And there's also a man who's not serving in the capacity he's really called to. Uh, that, that affects everything. And so I've seen how that can be destructive for the church. Uh, I've seen even, you know, churches that I, I have been directly affiliated with have completely gotten the ministerial offices wrong when it comes to the office of overseer and deacon. We've seen deacons run the church. This is very common, especially in the South. I'm not sure what your church polity is, but as you'll, as we go through the text, you'll find that uh, if you've got a group of men who are running the church, they're, they're effectively elders. They're acting as elders. Um, deacons serve. That's what the diaconate did at its advent in the book of Acts. That's what deacons do here in 1 Timothy chapter 3. That's, that's the nature of the office. And so if you have a, a church that is run by the deacons, it's not really a deacon board. That's an elder board. I mean, by, by default, by, by definition, biblically, that's what they're really doing. So uh, in the past, I've worked with lay elders uh, who, you know, these are guys that have proven themselves in the business world. That's kind of a common practice. You know, I mean, I, I work with guys who were CFOs at Fortune 500 companies who would volunteer at the church. And it worked well because they didn't walk the halls of the church hungry for power, all right? No, they've already proven themselves. They've already proven themselves, you know, to manage their own households well. They, they qualify well as deacons, but they've never taught a sermon in their lives. They've never, I mean, they, maybe they've led a small group or so, but they've never. They, if you put them up in front of the people of God to authoritatively interpret Scripture, say the Book of Romans, they would be terrified and they would stutter and they wouldn't know what to say. Nothing wrong with stuttering, but they would stutter because they're ill-prepared. They're not able to do it. They would say, "Let let, let the guy who's actually done the time, the who studied to show himself approved, let him be the one who actually authoritatively interprets this, because I'm afraid I'm going to get it wrong." Now, it's good to be afraid to get it wrong. You ought to be afraid to get it wrong. The only guy who's not afraid of getting it wrong is the guy who's ill-qualified to be there and delusional about his own gifts. I'm constantly paranoid that I'm screwing up when I teach and when I study. Sometimes I overdo it because I just want to make sure that I'm getting it right. But if you are a man of God who fully fits everything about the qualifications for an overseer, but you're not able to teach, you're not actually an overseer. You are, in fact, a deacon. And that's awesome. That's 
God honoring. That is absolutely amazing. I served on an elder board once and there were two men on the elder board who were coming to me and privately and saying like, I don't think that I'm an elder because I'm not actually able to teach. All I've ever done is rock babies in the nursery. They just appointed me here and, and you know, I said yes. And I, I don't, I'm looking at this and I don't think that I'm really able, I don't think I'm on the level theologically to be able to interpret any of this scripture. I feel a little out of my league. And I was like, yeah, you need to tell the elder board that. You need to resign because you're a deacon and that's awesome, but you need to serve as a deacon. And the next day he would come in and weigh in and vote on something that was like pivotal for the church. And I was thinking, oh, come on, man. And so it's, I it don't feel, if you're, if you're a lay elder and you feel like an imposter, uh, good, like confess it and resign and go serve to the glory of God as a deacon. It's a matter of pride for you to pretend to be a pastor when you're not a pastor. If you would not fully fledged call yourself a pastor, please, for the kingdom of God and the good of your church, resign, because you're not. I don't know why we did this thing, and I formerly was party to this, but I've seen how destructive it can be when we get it wrong, where we look at a man who is fully fledged, a pastor, and another man who hasn't studied to show himself approved. I'm not just talking about seminary training, I'm talking about at least the equivalent. Is that fair? <laughs> You know, that you would, if you wouldn't trust him to get up and preach the book of Romans verse by verse of the whole church and get it theologically right, I'm not, I'm not, not talking about delivery style either, because that doesn't matter. What matters is the ability to teach. You know it when you see it. it can, can, would you put the guy up there to preach the book of Romans? You know, uh, if, if this guy would not be qualified to do that, if he wouldn't feel prepared well to do that, he is not then a pastor, he's actually a deacon. And we do harm when we tell guys, hey, hey, look, man, you did really well as, as CEO in the business world. Therefore, you're an elder here at this church. But the guy would not be qualified to get up and preach Romans. We do harm to the church. No, he's just a really financially wise deacon. <laughs> That's what he is. If, he, if you wouldn't trust him to preach, he's not, actually an el he's not actually an elder at all. He's a deacon. He's a deacon. And that's nothing wrong with the office of deacon. Don't have such a low view of the diaconate that you're ashamed to be one. Praise God, you're a deacon. We need deacons. We need more deacons than we have. We, have, we need pastors, actually. Because one guy can teach to a large crowd and then the crowd can grow. He can teach 50 people, 150 people. He can, he can preach to hundreds of people, thousands of people even. And if everybody just hears the same preaching at the same time, that works well. But he cannot serve all thousand people. He can't even serve 50 people. A church is not going to grow past 12 people if the pastor is also the only deacon. The more deacons you have, the more servants you have within the church, the more you can shepherd people, the more you can serve people, the more the church can grow. And it's not just a massive assembly. It's actually truly the bride of Christ. So if you desire this, if you desire to be a pastor, you desire to be an elder, you desire to be an overseer as it's rendered here in the CSB, that's a good thing. That's a good thing but we're not gonna be hasty to lay hands on you, right? At the Redemption Church, there's an event coming up this weekend, and it's, we call it Yet Initiation right now. Also, it's parallel to the Marks of Womanhood events where we celebrate graduates, but it's also where we mentor men who are called and nominated to serve as pastors and deacons. And if that's you, let us know, sign up today. We'll pray over you and you'll begin a year long process and we'll pray with you, mentor you, meet with you regularly. 
And by the time it's done, you'll know for sure if you're called or not. And then you'll begin whatever it takes to be able to study, to show yourself approved, right? For a lot of us, I'm gonna recommend seminary, but I can't be legalistic about that. If it's not seminary, at least study as hard as a seminary student would. Read at least as much as, if not more than, a student of seminary. I'm not gonna lower the bar for you. I've seen how dangerous that is. But if God's called you to do that, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I've also seen young pastors, you know, I know that I'm a young pastor, but like I've seen younger pastors broadcast this appeal to say like, hey, I've been a pastor, literally, true story. He's like, I've, I've been a pastor for six months. It's probably easier than you think it is. Come on in, you should do it, it's fun. <laughs> and uh, didn't work out well for him. He's not a pastor anymore. That was a few months ago. <laughs> and so this guy who had this low expectation for what it is to be a pastor was inviting other people on Facebook. It's probably easier than you think it is. <laughs> He's not a pastor anymore. He lasted about five minutes. Had no concept of the anguish that comes your way. If you desire to be a pastor, that's a good thing. Just be ready. Be ready for the pain that comes with it, for the sacrifice that it entails. Be ready to, to study at a level that you may not have known before. Uh, be ready to take arrows like you've never known. Be ready for a stricter judgment. James chapter 3 says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, because those who are called to teach will be judged more strictly. Uh, the, the King James renders it that you'd be, you'd come, you have a stronger condemnation where, you know, when, when you touch the electric fence, it's got higher voltage behind it than everybody else. And by the way, it's not like you have less of a sin nature. You have the same sin nature as everybody to whom you preach. You're no stronger than anybody. You've just been held to a higher standard. Uh, that's not, that's not easy. That's not easy at all. And it's, it, it really, uh, it changes everything. It does not make life easier. It makes life immensely more difficult. Um, if you're called to be an over overseer, that's a good thing. And in fact, if you know that you're called to be a pastor, you can't outrun it. Just ask Jonah. But don't presume and don't be hasty. If you desire this calling, if that, that, that desire has been placed on your heart by God and you just can't shake it, let us know. Praise God. We're going to walk with you through the ordination process. And here's the good news. Redemption Church, we already have a man who is expressing that calling. So we're only a year old at the Redemption Church, but we're already reproducing more pastors. How cool is that? So this guy's gonna enter into his year-long mentorship. He's gonna work with Pastor Mike and with me and over the course of the year. You know, if he knows that God's called him to be a pastor, we're gonna put him on the track to do what he's gotta do to be ready to, to, to do ministry, and we're gonna send him out. <laughs> so if you desire to be a pastor, that's a good thing. This saying is trustworthy, he says. If, if anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. It's a good thing. Praise God, we're already seeing this happen at Redemption Church.